0: rolling dice and drawing cards, to solving puzzles and opening locks.
1: For beginners who are new to games as well as experienced players who want something new, let us take you through the exciting world of gaming and help you design a great gaming get-together. We're your hosts, Lauren and Greg, and Friday is Game Night. Happy Friday, everyone. I'm Greg. And it's Lauren. And welcome back to Friday is Game Night. So in this episode,
0: we have an interview with Eric from Zoom Out Media about the board game design documentary that he's working on. Uh, For Dice Roll, we're going to talk about friendship ending games. Uh, We will do a review of the brand new party game, Laughcronyms. And of course, we'll have our escape room report and our Friday favorites.
1: So for this episode, for our main topic, we actually got a chance to sit down and have a conversation with Eric from Zoom Out Media. Uh, He's actually making a documentary following the progression of board game designers and the whole process and all the backstory and everything that goes into making these games a lot more difficult than you might think. So uh, we were thankful enough to have him answer a few of our questions. And so here's that interview that we recorded with him.
0: Okay, so today we're joined by Eric from Zoom Out Media, and he's been working on a documentary called The Game Designers, um, which will follow several game designers as they work on their projects, which we thought was really fascinating because I'm sure for a lot of people, um, when they play a board game, they aren't really thinking about the work that goes into that game that they're playing. Um, So before we get into the documentary, Eric, um, can you tell us what your background is with games and what drew you to wanting to make this
2: documentary? Um, sure. Yeah. Uh, so basically, I've been playing uh, board games maybe for about four or five years. And um, I just kind of and like when I say board games, I mean more like the hobby side of it. You know, obviously, I've been playing games like Monopoly or whatever since childhood. But um, yeah, I just kind of discovered the whole world maybe four years ago. And uh, that's kind of what started it all. And shortly after I got into it, I kind of realized that I wanted to, like, make my own game. And uh, I took some of the some inspiration from several of the games that I uh, was playing at the time. Typically just like, uh, you know, medium to heavy type Euro games, if you will. And uh, so I took inspiration from all those games and kind of made my own... Uh, Euro game, which was an adventure because I didn't really start off simple. I just like went off like riding into the deep end, like making the most <laughs> complicated game I could possibly. Straight for the Euros. <laughs> yeah, so anyways, like uh, this is kind of like the whole evolution of this but um, so I I was making this game and I had a game group I was um, attending and going to like every week, and and uh, eventually, like when I got comfortable enough with it, I uh, decided to bring it to my group, and that was interesting. I mean, they're all willing to play it and everything, and uh, I got a good play test in, and uh, what I thought was a well-balanced game was actually full of holes in like every direction you could think of. Anyways, like, long story short, after a few more uh, playtests, I decided to kind of set that project to the side and, like, approach this whole hobby um, from a different perspective, which is, like, more filmmaking perspective. And so I take it you you are a filmmaker already. Yeah, I mean, I've been uh, doing uh, short documentaries um, for a while and other, like, short films and stuff. But this is, like, my first uh, feature-length project.
0: Cool. Um, so tell us more about the, the documentary itself. It's called The Game Designers, correct?
2: Um, actually, that is a temporary title. <laughs> a
0: working title? <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Um, I'm probably going to be changing that. Uh, I've just been calling it that uh, out of a lack of better ideas up until this point. But I do have some better titles in my mind, which will, I'll probably be... Uh, Changing that so so tell us more about like what's your
0: process? What what are you guys going after for this documentary?
2: Um, Yeah, so it's uh, pretty much just me like um, When I started as working with a with a friend of mine uh, Margo Uh, Yeah, like we did a number of things together, but then she kind of decided she wanted to do like more social issue type uh, projects and so uh, from that point on, I, I kind of took over the reins of this. But um, after going through the uh, process of making my own game and realizing like how challenging and how complicated the whole uh, process was, like I just felt like that story needed to be told. Because I I knew from like playing all these other games and seeing all these other games that there were a lot of games out there and a lot of designers out there, you know, from people who were just doing it outside of work hours to people who were doing it like full time, I knew that there were like lots and lots of people making games. So I wanted to kinda of tell that story about uh really capture like the whole story of like all these people and how they're making all these um, sometimes pretty intricate and complicated and uh, detailed board games.
1: Now in your uh, documentary, Eric, it says that you're going to follow the stories of a few well-known designers and also a couple more independent designers. And I was just curious, what was your criteria for selecting the people you did choose to follow?
2: I guess making documentaries is a is a uh, kind of a crazy process. You, you don't know exactly what you're going to get, um, when you first delve into it. So to answer your question, question, like initially I was just following a group of designers in North Carolina and, um, essentially, uh, some designers that were in my hometown of, in Raleigh, North Carolina. And, uh, this group is actually uh, pretty well organized and there's, uh, Uh, Probably about 10 to 12 people who come like on a very consistent basis like every week um, to uh, develop their games and so um, I Initially just uh, I was hanging out with this group when I was making my game and so that's kind of like where I started and I kind of uh, just being with that group for a while i kind of knew like the guys who i i want to follow in a little bit more closely so uh one of the guys that i met there is was making his very first game uh, when i met him and so i thought that would be an interesting story um because he it seemed like he was kind of following the same path that i was making this uh detailed um euro game so I want to capture that because having gone through that experience, I kind of felt like there might be something interesting there. Um, and then there's another guy in that group who, uh, who did a Kickstarter and who was going to be doing another Kickstarter for the same game because uh, it wasn't successful the first, um, the first attempt. So that's kind of like uh, an interesting story there as well because I've been following him for about a year and a half now. And yeah, and then as far as like the other side, um, after, after I captured those stories, like I kind of put the project on hold for a little bit. And then when I returned to it, I realized I didn't really have enough content. So I was like, at that point, I wanted to kind of expand my scope and really tell that whole story I was uh, talking about before. And that's when I decided to do uh, like the more well-known designers um, and capture a couple stories there.
1: All right. Um, Well, another thing that you had mentioned that I wanted to touch on, uh, kind of circling back a bit, is you mentioned that there's like some kind of like uh, there's difficulties or obstacles that some uh, game designers have to overcome. What are some of the um, major obstacles that people may not realize that goes into designing a game that people may not appreciate? Because you know, a lot of hard work and effort and time goes into designing any one of these games that you see on the shelves these days. But is there any kind of one? hidden obstacle or challenge that people may not recognize that you'd like to talk about
2: Mm, that's a good question um yeah i'd probably just say like balancing the game um i've talked to numerous designers and they the initial idea that comes to them is kind of the fun part and the part that typically goes the quickest um because there's like uh you know a lot of energy behind that and a lot of motivation they're like oh i got to get this down on paper really quick and you know get it out and see how see how it plays. And then the more challenging part I'd say is probably uh, the design development phase where they're after they get uh, their initial like, prototype together, then they're trying to balance it, make sure it plays right, uh, make sure um, that there's no holes in it or, or nothing's broken about it. And then just kind of like going through that process of play testing it, blind play testing it and really just like uh, sorting out the rules and make, making sure it works.
0: And Greg, so we have a lot of first time listeners who don't know a lot about um, game design. Greg, can you've also kind of worked, dabbled in game design. Can you explain to them what um, balancing is?
1: Yeah, <laughs> balancing, because I've, I've gone through the same thing that Eric had where I tried to make my own game and uh, it I thought it was this great, well, like super in-depth, complicated thing. I get to the table and it's like, wow, this is like totally like, this is, really uh an unfair advantage that this player has or this player doesn't feel like they're powerful enough or the abilities here seem too complicated or things like that so uh for those of you of our listeners who aren't kind of in the know balancing a game is where you're trying to make sort of an even level playing field across all mechanics so you don't want uh player a uh, and their character to have some ability that makes them win the game uh, more often than player B or C would. You want everyone to feel that they have an equal but different ability, or to have the same abilities. And all cards have to be kind of have the same impact upon how the game actually plays out.
0: I know, like for you, there's a lot of like mathematics that sometimes you go through, and a lot of statistics that I kind of try to figure out what that balance is.
1: Yeah. Um, I, I don't know what kind of uh, game you uh, yourself have designed, Erica, what kind of games that you've uh, covered specifically in documentary but I did one that was dealing with um, uh, price points for selling items in a store and I had to try to figure out the exact uh, formulas for what's a fair upgrade from this value of uh, of a computer to that value of a computer and things like that and it was, I mean the game theme itself was kind of boring but it was fun kind of designing it but yeah it's, it's all about finding that right um, the right equation I think at least in my experience I don't know have you seen um have you seen any uh, kind of madness come about the game designers in your experience Eric? because I know I kind of went crazy a couple times trying to find just that perfect balance
2: um yeah that's uh that's always something that I'm trying to capture right like making a documentary is uh, you want to get like the juiciest bits <laughs> yeah. There's definitely highs and lows. I would say
0: like I have this awesome thing and then everybody hates it. No.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I think I've captured a little bit, um, of those like emotions, um, uh, with the people that, um, are in North Carolina a little bit, but that's definitely something that I want to get on the other side as well. Um, for the, the other designers that I'm following and, uh, yeah, just to let you know, the documentary is not done yet. I'm actually in the middle of production, so
1: <laughs> I've probably
2: got, like, another year of actual filming.
1: What What is your end point for filming these things? Are you looking for just, like, because I would imagine it's kind of hard to predict ahead of time what the end of the journey is going to be. I mean, obviously, if a game gets sold and put on a shelf, then that's kind of a good <laughs> successful end, but what about the ones that don't quite get to that button finish? What would be your kind of uh you know closing point for that story
2: yeah that's a really good question um i guess that's kind of what I was allu- alluding to when uh, i said you never know what you're going to get when you're making like a documentary because you may think that you're going to uh go in and capture like one story but then for whatever reason that doesn't pan out or something changes or something you know maybe something else happens and um And then, like, this whole new path has kind of opened up to to you. So so that's been uh, one thing that I've kind of been kind of not dealing with, but uh, just trying to figure out, like, the best story to tell um, Mm -hmm. for the project overall to make it, like, you know, an entertaining uh, hour and 15 minutes for the audience. But, yeah, like, uh, ideally, I would – the idea is to kind of follow these four – or stories as they kind of interweave um throughout the documentary um hopefully capturing a story arc for each one and then it really depends like on each uh story arc uh what that kind of close out point would be um because mm-hmm. it's different for each person
1: in your uh documentary you also uh mentioned go to a couple uh, conventions, or cons as they're called. Uh, some of the ones that you uh, have gone to, it says here, is Unpub, uh, Gen Con, Essen. For those uh, listeners who haven't been to or haven't even heard of these conventions, can you kind of describe the general atmosphere for what it's like at one of these gatherings?
2: Yeah, so I was at Gen Con last weekend and it is, uh, it's is—it's a zoo. We, we've seen the pictures of the large crowds. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah I mean it's great there's uh, yeah like uh, in a more general sense these conventions they're basically places where all the you know game publishers and a lot of the designers and of course gamers come to to you know check out the latest games um, you know do different events uh, play games there's a lot of game playing um, all this stuff so Gen con is, the largest uh tabletop gaming convention in the US, uh, I think like around sixty thousand people uh every year. Um and that's in Indianapolis. And then Essen spiel is in Germany, Essen Germany, and that's actually the largest uh tabletop gaming convention in the world. And that, that has like an insane amount of people, like hundred and fifty thousand or something like wow. that. Oh, jeez. I can't uh, even imagine. That <laughs> yeah. There's that
0: many board gamers out there?
2: <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know. I mean, according to the Wikipedia page, that's what it said. <laughs> don't quote me on that, but that's what I last saw. And then uh, the other interesting one is actually Unpub, which is a little bit different from all the other conventions. Um, Unpub stands for unpublished uh, games. So it's more like designer focused. Uh, designers come there. Board game designers come there to uh, test their game, their game prototypes, and um, what they mostly do there. And then sometimes they look for like publishers um, to actually sell their game, their games to at the at the um, pub convention. Um, and I actually followed uh, one of my subjects up there um, last year as he uh, refined his game and. Try to uh, balance it even more.
0: Do you, would you say when people go to like that convention, um, are they still kind of in that paper stage where all their components are sort of paper or cardboard, or you know, just stuff that they've sort of made, or are they moving more to now they have
2: prototypes? Um, it's a mix sometimes. Like I was actually pretty surprised how uh, how far along some of the prototypes were there. Like sometimes you'll see a prototype and it looks like a game that you could go purchase right off the shelves at Target. Yeah, like laminated and all the pieces and everything. Um, but I'd probably say that's uh, the exception. Most of the time, yeah, like you're saying, it's uh, like cutouts and uh, notes uh, like scribbled on paper. Maybe not that bad, but somewhere in between there. <laughs> Maybe typed out, to be fair.
0: Uh, What would you say was um, your favorite of the cons so far, or what do you think was um, your best experience at one of them?
2: Well, Unpub went pretty well. um, Just because it's like a huge ballroom full of game designers, so that (laughs) there's like no lack of people to interview or to focus on. But I think uh, Origins was pretty good this year. Um, I met a number of uh, more well-known designers and industry professionals, and got some really good interviews with them. Um, Gencom was good as well. Uh, it's a little, it's a little hectic, especially like for a filmmaker because it's difficult to find like a place to actually film an interview with so many like human bodies in every nook and cranny. <laughs> But, yeah, um,
0: definitely. From the pictures I saw, it looked like it was really crowded. And it looks like a a big thing was just, you know, trying to get your hands on those games that were only going to be available there. I've seen lots of uh, Gen Con hall put photos and stuff where people just bought stacks and stacks of games. Yeah, yeah. Um, I did want to. I wanted to circle back, though. You were mentioning that you know you've only been sort of in playing board games or the newer board games um, in the last couple of years, um, which is kind of you know similar to my experience. Obviously, when I was a kid, I played all the you know the Clue and the Monopolies, but it wasn't until as an adult a couple of years ago that I sort of discovered this new world of games. Was there a certain game maybe that kind of was your uh, gateway game that kind of brought you back into board gaming, or were, was it just a group of people?
2: I went to a group one time, and then uh, the game that I really did it was uh, Dominion. That was kind of my gateway game. <laughs> and uh, no, it was a great experience. Like I couldn't ask for a better gateway game. <laughs> uh, can you guys explain what Dominion is for our listeners? Um, yeah, I don't know if I could s- describe it very well. I, it's like <laughs> a card game that's in a box. Um, and it, it's not like one of these card games where you could just buy another uh pack on and on it's like a definitive thing when you buy the box
1: what would you say though out of all the games that you have played since or any maybe that you've seen recently during your research and filming for your documentary what would you say is your favorite game right now that if you could you would sit down and play with someone
2: yeah um so actually this might sound kind of funny but i've never played dungeons and dragons before so
1: come on over i will show you It'll be still <laughs>
0: <laughs> Too bad we're kind of far.
2: <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, like, when I was at GenCon, they have, you know, just, like, these massive uh, ballrooms, and people are just playing, well, there's one called Pathfinder, which I believe is mm-hmm. based on Dungeons and & Dragons, and so, like, when I saw that, I was like, yeah, I really gotta get into this, because
1: <laughs> they have, like, this
2: huge, opulent ballroom and just, like, thousands of people playing this game, and... I was just looking it over kind of like uh perplexed at like how fun it how fun it looked to play.
0: It was definitely a surprise for me when I first was introduced to D&D because, you know, growing up I always thought that was sort of like something nerdy and, you know, you had to get really into character and voices and stuff. Um but then when Greg introduced me to it, I ended up becoming a huge fan and from there i ended up starting to paint my own minis and now i have amassed this gigantic collection that i've spent way too much money on and it's become this crazy thing
1: (laughs) it's it's literally a problem i'm thinking
2: of finding an aa group for her or something
0: (laughs) but yeah it's definitely it's fun
2: yeah no it looks great i just uh i don't know how to uh like break into it it's probably not that hard but yeah
1: most uh if you are actually interested uh, for both eric and our listeners and you are interested in breaking into D&D um, many of the different versions do have kind of a starter kit that is a box that has a basic rule book basic character sheets and even like kind of pre-made starting characters you can try out and like your first adventure. So it's kind of like a little taste of it so that way you can see if you really like it and it really breaks it down for how to uh, read the character sheets, how to play the games, things like that. And I also I will say that depending on what version of D&D or Pathfinder that you're playing, they do play differently. I know that the fourth edition that came out like 10 years ago, that's very tactical based where you have to really care about where your character is placed on the battlefield. Meanwhile, the more recent one, 5th uh, edition, that's a bit more kind of theater of the mind. So you don't have to worry about exactly where you're at.
0: And a lot of, um, a lot, there's a lot of like online options now for um, playing Dungeons & Dragons or Pathfinder or any of those. So there's also, you know, if you're not maybe comfortable actually DMing a group yourself, DMing stands for Dungeon Master, um, you can find a group online and join them. And that way not everyone has to be together. Because the other problem is as adults we always find trying to get everybody together in the same room, especially to play one thing long enough, such as D&D, that can be a struggle. So sometimes, you know, having like that virtual um, connection can really help bring everyone together a little bit easier. So, um, Eric, what, um, if people are really interested in your documentary, um, where can they go to find out more to follow you so they can get updates or even if you need help or anything like that, where can they find you?
2: Um, yeah, I'm all over the social medias, um, you know, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube. Yeah, all under Zoom Out Media. Um, I'm typically most active on Instagram, um, so that'd probably be the best place. I'm also on Twitter as well. I know there's a large um, like board game following on Twitter uh, for whatever reason. So <laughs> I'm on there, and I'll try to post updates as much as I can.
1: Well, I certainly look forward to hearing and uh, more about your film and definitely seeing it. I'm fascinated. I've seen the short uh, kind of teaser trailer that you have out there. And just from some of the uh, people, the interesting characters almost that you have uh, in that story, I, I'm just I can't wait. It looks so, so wonderful and so fascinating to watch.
2: Awesome. That's great to hear. Thank you. And
0: thanks for being with us today, Eric.
2: Yep. Thank you so much.
1: So we just want to thank Eric so very much for being able to sit down and do the interview with us. We learned a lot, I think. I'm definitely looking forward to that uh, yeah, documentary. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so, I don't
0: think enough people know like what goes into creating board games. Mm-hmm.
1: They're not just they don't just appear out of nowhere. <laughs> I was so hoping so. I was just I, I was looking for that wand online on eBay and I couldn't <laughs> find it. Once again, that's Eric from Zoom Out Media and uh, we hope that your project goes well. And we can't wait to see your finished uh, your finished documentary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So now let's go on to the dice roll segment. Okay, so for this one, we would like to talk about
0: friendship ending games. We've all played one. We all have probably have one in our closets.
1: And yet, for some reason, we still want to play them. <laughs> for some reason, they're so good. Yeah. So in my mind, when we were kind of making our little list, mm-hmm. to me, the one thing that determines a friendship ending game is one in which one person... Can have a clear domination in mm. the game.
0: Yeah, well, for sure. I mean, I know I've gotten very frustrated with games where I'm just like, okay, there's there's no way for me to win this. Like I'm at there's a no point, coming back. Yeah, yeah. Like I, you're just crushing me, and there's no way for me to even do anything. So it gets to the point where you get frustrated, and you're like, why am I still playing this? Because like
1: I, you know, it's like Monopoly when the other person controls the entire board, and you're really just seeing how long you can last.
0: Uh huh. Yeah.
1: Before they completely tax you to death you know with (laughs) all their hotels and everything like that but i think the other key component to a french opinion game is how much control you have to stop or block the other person's Mm -hmm. strategy the other person's game plan how much
0: you can mess them up
1: how much can you purposely mess them up yeah Mm -hmm. so we have together a short little list here and we'll kind of explain why for each one as to why we think these are some noteworthy friendship ending games <laughs> and to top it off is the classic risk mm-hmm. the game of world domination and whichever version you have there's tons of versions out there it's like monopoly with yeah. this i'm surprised it's not a simpsons version of risk it probably <laughs> is that, as far as i know who knows but um the main point for those of you who have never played is just to slowly but surely take over individual countries or territories With your units and just wipe everything out. Mm -hmm. And uh, one of the things is if you have control of an entire area or continent, so if you're playing with a normal, you know, Earth map, Uh you actually get a bonus supplement of units at the beginning of your turn. But you have to have control of every single country. Mm -hmm. And the biggest prize in that one is Asia. If you can have all of Asia, you get seven extra men at the beginning of every turn. Mm-hmm. But good luck holding on to Asia, because there's like 15 different access points. To- <laughs> and as long, <laughs> as long as somebody gets that one country away from you that one mm-hmm. turn, your, your seven dudes are gone, you know. <laughs>
0: Never try to go into Russia, right?
1: Never go into Russia, yeah. Or try to hold it because you can't, you
0: know. <laughs> See, I've only played Risk once. Mm-hmm. And that was with you, and we played the Lord of the Rings one.
1: But it's still the same concept. And
0: I crushed you. So Well, it's be- honestly <laughs> what I
1: what I always try to do, this is my strategy, is I try to get in the corner mm-hmm. and I build up and then I just spread. You know, so that way I don't have to fight on multiple fronts. I learned, uh-huh. I learned that from the Germans in World War Two. You don't fight <laughs> yeah. on multiple fronts. You just have a one front and you stay there, <laughs> you know, as much as you can. You abandon the other things and you, I'll come back for you. Mm. But then, yeah, you do try to control those territories. But I, I pushed myself. I kind of tried to slice into your territories around Rohan. And um, I just, I, I spread myself too thin there. Then you just pushed back yeah. really hard and you took it. And-
0: our friends have also learned that you don't um, you don't go up on dice rolls against me.
1: No, you. I don't know what it is. We will be playing some game, and uh, I'm right now. I'm adding d d onto the list uh, because we'll be playing some game, especially like D&D, and you'll say that can I do this, and I'm like the only way you're gonna get that is if you. I just wrote a twenty. Darn it. Oh, are you serious? Are you serious? Oh man. Okay, so now that thing's your pet. Sure, why not? She's done that twice. Yes. First day of a new adventure. She's like, I see a thing. I want it to be my pet so I can ride it and it will be my Fluffy and I will name it Fluffy. <laughs> and you have to roll... Oh, okay. You just did. There's your 20.
0: Yeah. I don't know what it is. I've always been very good at rolling dice.
1: I, it's just... Uh, <laughs> me. So, risk, parentheses, D&D. <laughs> you know? That's just anything with dice rolling there. But, I mean, yeah, dice rolling is a randomized part, but it's just a strategy. And, like, that purposeful, I'm going to take that one country just to mess up your plans you and give those extra dudes, mm-hmm. you know? And then it's just... Once again, if you're back in the corner, you have three countries left and you have 37 countries. I'm kind of like, let's just get, no, I want to finish this. I want to get the glory of of conquering you. All right, then.
0: Um, One of the other ones that um, I kind of thought of was Munchkin. Because Munchkin, you know, there's no way around it. Like at a certain point in the game, you have to like do something to the other player to stop them.
1: Well literally you don't have a choice. The the tagline is um kill the monsters, backstab your friends and Mm -hmm. loot the treasure. Mm -hmm. Or something along those lines. But literally the name backstab your friends or buddies is in the tagline Uh of the game. And
0: I think it gets worse when there's only like two players because then there's like it's you know, you're, you want to be like, it's nothing personal. The rules literally are that I have to do everything I can to stop you from getting that last level or yeah. you win the game. But like when there's just two of you just, you know, ganging up mm-hmm. on each other, it's like there's no one else to kind of take off some of the blame. I
1: will say, I think personally, Munchkin is better in groups of four mm-hmm. or maybe uh, like three to six but yeah. kind of four is the ideal because then you have people you can uh, negotiate with mm-hmm. like okay Lauren I need help will you help me for two treasures I'll help you for three treasures mm-hmm. okay Chris how about you do you want to yeah. you know you just kind of like market yourself out you know yeah. as best you can uh-huh. and then you might even say well, I'll do it for free oh well forget you then like you know <laughs> why are you doing it for free What are you, what's in it for you don't worry about it you know yeah kind of that usually means that they have a card that levels them up if they help somebody that's usually but <laughs> But yeah. um, definitely, especially when that person is just... They're not doing anything. They're just sitting there like, I have to play a curse. Guess who gets it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's it's one of those where it, you can either be on a unstoppable train, just run away with the game, or you're just stuck at the bottom, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was a time when we were playing, and one of our friends, I forget who it was, but they just could not even get a start. Like, every single time they pulled a card, it was like uh-huh. either some ridiculously high monster they couldn't do, or some useless <laughs> card, like... Uh, oh, it's it's, a plus three to this if you have that, you Mm -hmm. know? And it's like, well, I don't have that. So I don't have Y, so X does me nothing. Yeah,
0: definitely. I mean, we've all been in that situation too where all of a sudden you can't, like, you're getting stuff, but you're not getting any monsters to level up on. So you're just stuck.
1: And you're you're like essentially in a no man's land.
0: Yeah, and you're getting all this loot, but you're like, well, I already have a hand item, so I can't have any more and i can't get level up and i can't the,
1: i've been trying to think about how to work around that personally uh-huh and the best idea i've come up with is to have like a separate pile of like one mod, like kind of how they do in clank how you mm-hmm. have the goblin that you can always kill Uh huh. except i would have that only be available for levels like one through four mm-hmm. you know so that way like you can technically kill this one thing uh-huh. that's a level one but then once you get past a certain level, that's locked out. That's mm. not an option to you. And I think that could be technically fair. Yeah,
0: I mean, you, they could avoid. They could always separate the monsters out and have like a monster pile where it's like, you know, you can take the risk of going straight to the monster pile, but you don't know what you're going to get. It so, could be really high level stuff. Yeah, yeah. exactly. You have
1: all the nastiest them. ones in there along with some easy ones, too. Yeah, yeah. like it's just,
0: it's just monsters and you don't know which monster you're going to get. You but know? then
1: that also is a problem because at the end of the game then if I just need one more level, guess where I'm going. Yeah, And there's nothing you can do to stop me, Mm. you know, so. uh, But we're not here to fix the game. We're here to talk about how (laughs) it will ruin friendships because I will be so close to winning and then someone will play one card that says, oh, you remember this fight in the monster you're in? Yeah, the monster just walked away. He didn't care anymore. So all those cards (laughs) that you just played, all the special strategies that you had in your hand to like, guarantee you saw the victory yeah oh that's gone that's that's wiped away <laughs> yeah. oh and also maybe it killed you and all your stuff's gone too have fun with your life now yeah you know
0: yeah i always like i have one card that i can play that um basically says like no one can do anything to this monster yeah and you're like sorry guys it's kind of the one-stop cards <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah and that's very frustrating especially if you're like you do i always do the math man like okay she goes he goes i go And then if I do this, then I can get it. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, that's right. You had the one stupid card that says that Greg doesn't win. (laughs) um, Another one that I actually think is a contender is um, On Her Majesty's Service. It's a game from the Smog uh, world. Uh And this is a beautifully crafted game. It's a
0: really cool game.
1: Especially even in a steampunk style. Mm -hmm. Because the board itself looks like a giant gear with other gears on top of it. And it moves. And all the gears can rotate and move. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so in this game, the object is to get four items and to find your secret exit mm-hmm. and get out and you have, it's kind of hard to explain without visuals, but just go along yeah. with me here. But as you do each action, each of the gears rotates mm-hmm. and whichever number is facing you, that's the number for the price that you have to pay in order to do whatever on the board.
0: Uh-huh.
1: There is, the problem is that you can choose to just rotate a gear as one of your actions in your turn, even if you're not on it. You know so it's very much oh i'm saving up my money and i have two coins to buy this one thing in front of me and then here comes my friend Craig. i'm just going to rotate that to the four and there you go greg have fun with that <laughs> no yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's funny because when you you mentioned it i was like oh well, you know it's, i've always thought it's weird because we have this game and i've only played it once i think you played it with some of our friends one other time yeah and i was like oh yeah we never really played that game and then i was thinking about it and i was like yeah actually i do remember that the time we did play it low, we were all, like, super mad at you because, like, I think you won and we were all, like, really close to no, winning. No, I did not win.
1: I, I was doing well, but then I got locked out because they kept turning the gears on <laughs> me.
0: I don't know. I just remember someone did... I was, like, really close to winning and someone did something that, like, just totally well, also, threw me, like... Well, also,
1: the issue with that game is there's this special guy called the Shadow Master mm-hmm. that gives you special powers if you buy him. And it's kind of set up in a way that, like, whoever has him has the benefit to keep him, mm-hmm. like, easier. The other people really have to struggle to get him away from whoever is the owner, the current uh-huh. master. So you guys were like, this is BS. Like, you have this extra ability. You can do an extra thing. You get free money. And I'm like, well, then buy him off of me, you know. <laughs> but you're like, but we can't because we're too poor. I'm like, that's not my problem. <laughs> so it's it's very much, it's a fun game. It's really intricate. It's wonderful. It mm. looks like a lot. Mm-hmm. But once you actually you know, learn how to play it, it's, it's pretty simple and straightforward. But definitely, like, it's it's a cool game, but April will ruin friendship or two. <laughs> uh,
0: one of the other ones we thought of is, um, it, it doesn't have to be, but Ticket to Ride can be a friendship ending game.
1: Depending on how you play it and what yeah, map you're Yeah, and
0: on. if you take another route from someone that they really need, yeah. you know, it's the only way that they can get to their city. But, you know, a lot of times it's the only way you can get to whatever city you need to get to. I mean, okay
1: this is one of those ones I'm on the fence for because like you said, it really depends, you know, like if I need to, we're going for the American map as an example here. If I need to get from uh, uh, New York to Chicago, there is that one line that I think goes directly there, right? Uh Uh-huh. But and if you need that too, then if I happen to take it, I'm so, I needed it, mm-hmm. you know. But if I don't need that route at all, but I can clearly see that you're trying to meet up in the middle there, and I take that just to be the biggest jerk in the world, uh-huh. like, well, I don't want Lauren getting all those points. I'm yeah. just, gonna, and like I have these three green cards to throw away, uh-huh. you know. That that's when you're well,
0: yeah, or you know, you're going somewhere, and there's two different ways to get there. And so you're saved, like, say it's, like, a bunch of blues. So you're saving up all these blues. You're saving up all these blues. And then someone takes that. And you're, like, so I, You know, like, okay, there's another route I can take. But I was purposely saving all these blues. And now I have to be, like, okay... What colors do I need to get this other route? Because
1: now these blues I, are essentially paperweights yeah, in my hand. Yeah, and it,
0: it can depend too on the map you're using. Um, I have the Nordic countries map, which is
1: the most insanely competitive. Which,
0: map. yeah, which it that map you can only play it with a max of three players because it is that tight. And quarters. the the routes are very limited. And if you play it with only two players. You can't double up on some of the routes that have two color or two train routes mm-hmm. to them, so it becomes very competitive to try to get to the space, and it's um, it's very it's like um, what do I want to say? It's not wide, it's long. Mm -hmm. And so, like, you're kind of stuck in this little funnel that you have to kind of work with. Yeah,
1: and there's a few... And there's some really long routes. And there's some few points in the map where it's like, there's really one or two crossings to connect half of the map. Uh And you're like, if I don't get this, I am really up a creek without a path. Uh-huh, yeah. So it it can be very, very, like, really? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so we did that. (laughs) Um, Another one that we have is... uh, this, I've only had the opportunity to play this once. I wish I could play it again, but it's really mm-hmm. one of those ones where you have to dedicate hours to it. And uh-huh. it's called diplomacy.
0: Yeah. I haven't heard of
1: this. Diplomacy. It's very much like risk. Yet the main difference is instead of, instead of just jumping right for the throat immediately, you take your time, you build it up, you know, <laughs> like you would, for example, start off as France mm-hmm. and I would start off as, let's say just Greece. right? And then a couple other friends might be Britain. They might be Russia. They might be Germany, whatever. And you're slowly building up your resources and you make diplomacy treaties like, Lauren, I swear I will never invade your territories as long as you stay out of Portugal. Mm -hmm. I will never invade Spain. I will just be there in Portugal and you don't have to worry about it. And we actually talk and we make these deals. And some people even go so far as to like on separate piece of paper, sign treaties out, you know, and all that. Uh But the problem is eventually the game comes to a head where you have to start breaking these promises. I have to take over Spain. I'm sorry. It's right there. Mm-hmm. And I need those, like those units of resources I get from it. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. I know what, I know what I said before. It's just, you know, <laughs> there's been literal arguments that have broken out from there that I've actually seen. Like I, I played it only just once and it was back in high school. It was with my friends, uh, Justin and Josh. And I seriously thought blows were about to come out. Mm-hmm. Like it was insane. So um, very fun game. But like I say, it's, that's an entire day. <laughs> playing Diplomacy is at least going to be your entire afternoon, evening, if not a whole day. Mm-hmm. It's one of those ones where it can drag out. And you might even have to, you know, walk away and take a break. So,
0: Well, now that you have no friends, let's talk about a party game.
1: Yay! <laughs>
0: so we got the opportunity to play a brand new party game called Cronyms. Uh, this game retails on Amazon for about twenty-five dollars, and this game—it's a mixture of acronyms and pictionary. Yeah, I guess pretty much. is that
1: how you would describe it? Yeah, and that's a, that's the perfect way to describe it because it's set up where you have these sheets of paper, mm-hmm. and on the left. It gives you room to write out the acronym letters. Mm-hmm. like And everyone knows like uh, uh, like SCUBA is self-contained underwater breathing apparatus. Mm-hmm. So if that was the word on the side, you would write S-C-U-B-A. Uh-huh. But then the idea is that you have to make up a new acronym that uses the letter SCUBA. Uh-huh. And, and you, you, you ha- can do whatever you want.
0: Yeah, and you have um, cards that have different acronyms. And so basically the premise is they'll say, well, everybody knows that ACL stands for this. But they don't know what it also stands for, and then, and then, then everybody makes up their own. And what they do is they write their the acronym down. You make up what it stands for, and then you draw a characterization. You have to draw
1: what actually your thing is, so people yeah. can visualize this. Mm-hmm. You know, so if it's like ATM, normally stands for automated teller machine, but really it stands for all time menace or something. <laughs> yeah. So you have to then draw someone like who's being a total jerk to everybody, you know, <laughs> or something. And it's just everyone like um, does their own little thing. You have about. A minute or two to not only come up with a thing and then draw uh-huh. it, and then, you know, um do that. So like one that I did was we got F N A F, which mm-hmm. is FNAF, which is for that five nights at Freddy's. But um mine that actually was a winner was Franklin Needs Another Friend. And there was a picture of Ben Franklin looking sad on a bench as one of his friends was flying a kite and got electrocuted. <laughs> and, like that was the winner, you know. So it's just, it's silly, it's random. So
0: basically everybody, you know, this is the acronym. So everybody goes and they write the acronym down and what it stands for. And they draw their little picture. And then everyone shows their picture. And then you have this separate card where you can vote. For who whom you thought won the round, yeah, and, and you don't f- vote for yourself. And every person is given a number, and that's what you, how you vote. You oh, I Greg was number two, so I'm gonna pick number two as the winner.
1: Yeah, and then just whoever has the most votes wins. You yeah. Know? And in case of a tie, uh, it's just they both get the point. You know, <laughs> but it's it's definitely a very fun game. I enjoyed mm-hmm. it. You know, it's it's so hard to think of the thing on it this is. spot. It is like
0: I was do, I was doing like I didn't get any points the entire game. I was like I'm terrible at this game, and I'm not. I'm not a great drawler by any means. We are both a little bit at a oh, disadvantage. I'm, I am
1: awful. My stick people look like garbage.
0: Well, we're at a disadvantage too because our two friends that we were playing with it are both artists. Yeah. So, of course, their pictures were awesome. Yeah. And our pictures were like, okay, you know. But to tell the truth, um, their their
1: acronym is pretty good. I think it, well, one of them was, but one of them did like a, a battle beat or something like that, yeah, a battle
0: uh, she Well, and she did a... Um, she, no, avocado battle. Avocado, avocado yeah. yeah. And actually... um. You can, we've been posting a couple of the um, pictures from when we were playing it on our Instagram and even um, acronyms they featured some of our different um, acronyms on their website and on their Instagram as well. I just will mention that, you know, some of them are a little bit dirty and they're not maybe appropriate for kids. So <laughs> we, we were playing
1: with adults, so we yeah, decided exactly. to, it's a party game. We decided to so. include the R-rated factor. Yeah.
0: yeah. So, while this podcast is family-friendly, if you choose to go look at those, just note that they might not be for yeah. everybody in the family.
1: <laughs> but they're definitely uh, enjoyable. Yeah. Very, very fun.
0: I had a really hard time when I was playing it where I would I would be like, okay, what what's the acronym, what's the acronym, what's an acronym that I can reasonably draw something for, too? Yeah. And I would always... Oh,
1: yeah, what can I draw? That's the yeah. other question. Yeah,
0: I would always... Or, you know, what can I, like, think of? Even if I'm not really good at drawing it, like, that would be a funny drawing that's feasible to do. But... um. I would always get like hung up on one word, and then I would feel How like I I, form I had to the other words yeah, a, yeah like I felt like I had to use that word like it's a okay I'm gonna do apple. But what works with Apple? Well, maybe I should do a different A word, but all I can think of is Apple. So, you know, like, yeah. I kept getting, like, stuck in my brain about it.
1: <laughs> I had the same issue, yeah. yeah. Like, or,
0: you were better at coming up with some of the acronyms than I was. I wasn't very... Like, I, I don't know. I might have been having an off night, too. Like, I feel like I'm funnier than this. <laughs> no, no, no. You're, no, you're,
1: no, yours were funny. Don't get me wrong. Yours were funny. It's just, like, in each round, like, there was that one other one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like we said, our friends... Not only are they funny people, but they drew some pretty hilarious photos. And
1: uh, I'm not saying that the art sells it. I mean, I think one it, of them like... was
0: an, uh, an umbrella stand that was attacking people. Yeah. And
1: <laughs> I'm not saying that you have to be a good artist, but I'm just saying yeah. that art does help sell it. Like the visual True, part yeah, of it can yeah. help, you know. But I mean, I was doing really horrible stick figures, and I won a good couple rounds Yeah, because you know? some of your acronyms were just really funny. Yeah, you know. So yeah. I would say even you could argue that... If you want to take out the Pictionary part, mm-hmm. that is technically optional because you could just do the acronyms part. True,
0: But it, it's it definitely, an fun Yeah. Um, and actually, it's funny from we just played it um, with our friends and one of them went and told her brother about it. And now he's going to buy a copy because yes. he thought it sounded so cool. Um, one of the things, you know, we kind of one of our like criticisms of the game is we really wished that. Maybe to be more economical and a little bit more environmentally friendly, that instead of sheets of paper, it had a dry erase board because they do give you like dry erase markers. And these voting uh,
1: cards are, are are dry erase. Yeah. yeah.
0: Although I will say the dry erase markers, although it makes it easy for everyone to see, are can be a little pain to draw with.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um. You don't get erasers. All your mistakes are present. Yeah.
0: Well, and also like sometimes it's kind of wide, and you're trying to do something thin, and you're like,
1: ah. <laughs> At what point I was trying to draw a person. And I drew the head way too big. And I was like, I don't have nearly enough room for the body now. Mm -hmm. Um,
0: But, you know, one of the... Although, you know, that would be cool. One of the nice things is then we had all these funny little pictures. Yeah. That, like, we, like, actually kept. And we kept them in the box so we could be reminded of them. And
1: I fully believe, having realized that afterwards, that Uh I think that was their intention. That you were they, they figured people would want to keep, like, to keep them. Do you remember yeah. that battle avocado? Yeah. How great was that? <laughs> or like that super depressing, like skunk fights that they had, you know, <laughs> or whatever it was. Yeah. You
0: know? Yeah, so, like, at first, that's what we were all like, oh, well, it would have been cool if they just did dry erase boards. But then later on, it was like, well, but it's kind of fun to keep these. Um, And actually, when you buy it, you can get on their mailing list, and they will actually send you a PDF of the sheets. Oh, wonderful. So So that you you can can print them at home. Yeah. Great. Which is nice, because then, you know, not only, you know, because one of our friends asked us, well, do they sell... Uh, refill refill packs. Yeah, and I said, well, I don't know, but it's kind of nice that rather than charging you for refill packs, they like give them to you to print yourself. So, yeah,
1: go wild. Yeah, yeah,
0: exactly. And it's just paper; it's nothing like.
1: Difficult and I mean, technically, print. you could then take that just the one thing or like six or whatever, and mm-hmm. go down to Office Depot and just uh, have that uh, laminated.
0: True, you could if you you know if it, that was really important to you to be environmentally friendly, you could do that yourself.
1: Too. Which which you know I like how this game it's presented in a way, but then you do have options with it. And that's one thing I do appreciate kind of the genius of this design is that you can kind of like cherry pick, tweak it as much as you want, whatever you want to call uh-huh. it, you know, so that it fits you perfectly.
0: Yeah, well, the good thing about it, most party games have room for house rules.
1: Yeah, and that's, that house rules, that's exactly it. Yeah, that's what exactly. With, yeah.
0: And the, the best party games usually will have something that you can you know we we do that with cards against humanity all the time where you
1: know we will
0: like we play with rando which i think is an optional thing yeah. that you can do you know we kind of have i think we play with seven cards and most people play with ten you know do they
1: play ten cards yeah how do you hold all that in your hands <laughs> i know right I got and some. your drink too guys <laughs> i got i got tiny hands <laughs> according to my friends I have doesn't. tiny have
0: he He doesn't have tiny hands, but we tease him that he does.
1: (laughs) But like, how do I hold all these cards in my hands, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, if you get to one of those little kid things that holds the cards for you.
1: Yes. Can I get a dinosaur one? I think they've got to have a dinosaur themed one somewhere, (laughs) right?
0: So that's Laughcronyms, which like, as I said, you can get it on um, Amazon for $25. Um, You can follow Laughcronyms on both Twitter and Instagram at Laughcronyms.
1: All right, then. So now let's go on to our escape room reports.
0: this month we were um a little bit short on time um we our schedules have not been matching up lately yeah so we were really worried that we wouldn't be able to do an escape room which not only because we wanted to do a brand new escape room report for you guys but also because we love escape rooms and for us to not get to do one in a long time we had to
1: get our face it's
0: painful. So we ended up having a day off together, and so we decided it was about time that we tried out a new room that was actually in our own hometown, mm-hmm. which we had hadn't had a chance to play yet. Um, and we actually decided to take someone along with us who's never done escape rooms before, which was
1: very interesting.
0: <laughs> so we actually kidnapped my mom and made her go with us, and she didn't know where we were going.
1: What if, what was the the fib that you told her? Like, oh, we just need you. Just I did told some her. Ambiguous I thing. told
0: her we needed um, we needed her help on something.
1: We need your help on something. Um, Yeah, yeah. can you just bring the garden rake, um, the blowtorch, (laughs) and uh, all the marshmallows that you have?
0: So we went down to Escape Games Riverside, which is literally like three miles from my house. (laughs) I don't know why it's taken us so long to get there.
1: Um, Well, I know why. It's because it was... We, we weren't ever sure if it was quite open or not because we're like, yeah, is it open? Is it, it, you know, are they just doing soft testing? Like,
0: yeah, well, when it originally opened, we weren't really sure if it was open or not. And then it's, um, it's situated in just a storefront kind of situation. Mm-hmm. It's on the second floor of the storefront. And, you know, we, we weren't really sure how great it was going to be, if it was going to be good or not. Yeah. So we kind of been putting it off. Um, but we went down to Escape Games Riverside in our hometown, and we played their pirate captain
1: room. Mm-hmm. Our first pirate one. Our first pirate, pirate one,
0: yeah. Pirate. The pirate theme is pretty, um, it's used a lot in escape rooms. Pretty, but for pri- whatever. pretty prevalent. Pretty prevalent, but for whatever reason, this was the first time we'd actually ever done one. Mm-hmm. And we, I think we were pretty impressed. Uh,
1: considering the space, okay, one thing that we usually notice is when you are an escape room in an office space, that was yes. clearly meant to be an office It's very hard to not have the room be like this is an escape room in an office building. Yes, it is.
0: Well, and you know, you gotta, for their own, you know, to kind of on their side, usually they don't own the building. Mm -hmm. They're just renters, and there's only so much they can do because they can't destroy the layout of the room. They can't, you know, their doors are gonna look like a
1: door, you Mm -hmm.
0: know, like there's only so much they can do.
1: But considering the limitations, that this company has, I think they did a fantastic job uh, mm-hmm. decorating it. On the walls, it looked, he, he, it was very kind of simplistic, but it was like brown walls with like what looked like planks of wood here and mm-hmm. there, you know, so like, oh, I'm inside of a pirate ship. There's at one point uh, a darkened room with candles lit, so that way it just puts the atmosphere of like, I am like like below deck or something. Or uh-huh. like some kind of yeah, outlet, that room you know? was
0: really cool. You
1: know, so it, what, like I said, considering the limitations that, that was given, I think that the theming and decorations the room were like really really well done.
0: Yeah, and I mean, so we've gotten you know we're kind of snobs when it comes to the theming because we've done some rooms that had really awesome theming,
1: uh, but I will say and some ones with really bad ones. Yeah,
0: well, yeah, and some that were really bad where you're like, okay, basically this is just a a room with some locked boxes in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, you know, the theming is great because, you know, there is this level of disbelief that you have to, you know, you have to suspend disbelief a little bit when you're yeah. you going into one of these rooms. But you can do that easier if the theming's great. But even if the theming's not so great, if you have like a good story or you have really good puzzles, that kind of, you know, oh, well, the theme is not great, but the puzzles are so great that you forget. Yeah, it's a the balancing act. Yeah. Um, I would say you know this room was definitely difficult, which was yeah. which is good oh, because yeah. it's it's good to be challenged. There's you a know? few
1: where all three of us were sitting down. And going, I don't. Yeah, I don't and it know. was
0: for my mom. I, th- I think we probably could have done a better job preparing her, even though we've talked about escape rooms. We kind of got in there and they shut the door, and she's like, "I don't know what to do," and they're like, "Just look in everything. Yeah. Like, look just look at everything. Looking. Put everything
1: that you find out in the middle. Yeah, before.
0: you're gonna start finding keys or other things and start. You know, we'll start a pile kind of thing." Um, and so, you know, we definitely, we had a bit of a, a, handicap with the fact that we had someone who was new to games and she wasn't used to this and she wasn't used to, she didn't even know, like, what should I be looking for yeah. kind of thing. So that definitely made it more difficult. Um, I would say, you know, some of the puzzles, I wish that there had been a little bit more, um, Taught, lead into them so that I knew what I was, was expecting or what was expected of me. Mm-hmm. Um, th- because we ended up we had to get a lot more hints than we normally do.
1: That Yeah, that's true. We asked for a, like a good like six or something.
0: Yeah, and we don't you know. Normally
1: we, we're one or two at
0: most. One, yeah, one or two at most. And even then we you know, we really have to get stuck before we ask for a hint.
1: But um, to be fair some of the things we asked for hints for, it was just like I clearly did not see that one rope there that I could have pulled to unlock this secret
0: yeah, whatever. exactly.
1: And it, it's just, that's on me for just mm-hmm. not noticing that.
0: Yeah, and then there was one where we thought someone had searched the teapot and nobody had searched the teapot. Exactly.
1: So it's, it's half of them were just, oh, I should have gotten that. But just, yeah. we were kind of like, oh my goodness, you know. Yeah,
0: we were, we were out of sync. Because I think you and I were both trying to kind of make up for the fact that we had a newbie with us. And, you know. Like, yeah. So we weren't maybe being as careful as we normally were but she
1: still did great considering though yeah
0: and she had good she she got that rope
1: puzzle when we couldn't
0: i know yeah there was this one puzzle that we couldn't And that
1: box she got that box open when we were like i don't know how (laughs) to open this box yeah
0: that was actually i think that was a fun moment because there was this one moment right at the end and we're you know literally the the clock is counting down we know we're almost out of time Mm -hmm. and we we can't get this box open and we know that we've done the right thing but we can't get it open and it was like you had to hit this button And my mom's standing there and she just reaches over and hits the well, did you guys hit the button, which we had done a million times?
1: and it opened and we were like what <laughs> like, and this then I what? said and I said how did you open it she goes I pushed the button down I'm like well, what else do you do to a button you push it down and she goes no I pushed it and like yeah like we down. were just
0: kind of pushing the button and she like pushed the whole thing and when she pushed was, the whole thing I was it, like, hit the
1: the only <laughs> word I can say right now because we're trying to keep this family friendly I was uh livid <laughs> yeah like I was like
0: no but it was kind of a f- it was a fun moment for her though. no yeah because she did it yeah because she did it and because it was like one of those oh she actually you said know like yeah exactly like it was that last minute like oh i saved the day kind of thing yeah, yeah. which you know is a good that's a good way to like kind of get you hooked on escape rooms oh, to yeah. have one of those moments it's when the you same know as, you were the
1: key player at that yeah moment. i
0: mean not to say that you always have to win and sometimes not winning is fine but like when your first time if you play it maybe if you don't win you might be one of those people who are like oh well, i suck at this so it's kind of nice to, not only is it nice to win obviously first time but it's nice to have one of those moments where you contributed and helped
1: definitely yeah uh the two things i really wanted to bring up for uh this room in particular that i thought they did well is besides the visual uh atmosphere was also the sound Mm -hmm. i constantly was hearing in there like the sound of like waves and seagulls and like ship bells in the distance and i thought that was nice that's something you don't Mm -hmm. get too often in escape rooms is the audio
0: Uh kind
1: of theming for it you know because normally it's just you're in a room here go
0: yeah you know but Uh like
1: to actually have the as much full immersion as i can like if this was, like, any higher production value, I'm sure you would have been pumping smells of salt water into uh, the room, which yeah. would have been amazing, you know. <laughs> but, like, I'm not saying, like, oh, how dare you not do that. It's yeah. just, you know.
0: And we're very curious because um, the, they're actually, they have to move locations.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: um, So we're really curious to see what they do in their
1: new location as well. I am definitely planning to go back to Yeah, the
0: because room. they have another room that we didn't get to do. It's called the
1: Toy Maker. Which, how does that... S- like sound to you? That sounds amazing, right?
0: <laughs> so we're really excited to, um, because our other friends could, who we normally go with, couldn't go with us at this time. We really are excited to take them back with us to do oh, the yeah, room, and maybe even do the pirate room again with them as well. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, the other thing I really liked, and one thing I always look for in uh, escape rooms, is how are we doing the puzzle system, the hint system. The hint system. I mean? uh-huh. How are you integrating that? One of the ones we did earlier on was like an FBI like bomb squad thing, in which case uh-huh. then we're just on the walkie-talkie. That's fine. That makes sense.
0: Uh-huh. But if I'm in
1: a Harry Potter themed room, am well, I'm on a walkie-talkie. Yeah, you know? yeah,
0: yeah. Hint, hint systems are very important.
1: But in this one, I, I thought it was genius. It was literally like a bell that you can yes. ring next to the door. So it was very loud. <laughs> Granted, uh, maybe I was hitting it too hard. I don't maybe. know. I was trying to do it softly, but it's a very loud bell. <laughs> but you ring the bell and it's like a ship's bell, uh-huh. you know. And then a note would be slipped under the door, like mm-hmm. a handwritten note on what looked like old parchment. I was like, I like that. Yeah. That's very clever. Uh-huh. You know, the only way I would have done it. But then again, like with infinite money is like maybe have like an animatronic parrot that I can like talk to you uh-huh. through, you know, but I mean, that's just me like blue sky in it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Considering well, what he had, I thought it was cheap. And considering
0: we've done other rooms too, where, um, you know, they just, they, the countdown clock is a computer screen and they'll just bring up a notepad and like type it to you and you're like
1: I really dislike
0: no it's a waste of time a lot of times well and in particular the one that we're referring to as well they often um seem like they don't really know where you're at so you're like sometimes they're typing it out and you're like no 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 we already did that Mm -hmm. like we've moved on beyond that and now we're stuck like don't tell us about that
1: and this time, I felt like he was very specifically paying attention to where we were at.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah. One time, I was sitting right by the door, and mm. we didn't actually ask for a hint. And I was fumbling with this lock, and I couldn't get it. And it happened to be this lock that he had told us in the beginning that you have to kind of press down a couple times. Oh, that's right. I and all of a sudden, that, yeah. this little note comes in right next to me, and it's like, remember to press down. And that wasn't the issue. But you know I what? had the wrong combination. I like, that because,
1: I like that because I felt like I was being cared for
0: yeah yeah i mean there and there's a fine line between being cared for and being like helped too much yeah don't
1: guide me by the hand yeah but care for the fact that like okay maybe you do have the right thing and you're just like Mm -hmm. you forgot to double click it uh yeah
0: because i don't think you don't really want your the people in your room to start getting
1: frustrated
0: because then they're not having a good time
1: yeah and i will say this um the i believe he was the owner and designer yeah uh, jonathan he was the one who was doing the clues for us and kind mm-hmm. of our game master. And he was fast. Yeah, like, he was really fast. He would like... And these were handwritten notes and uh-huh. he would even have on the bottom of it like every now and then like 35 minutes left. And uh-huh. we had an hourglass in there for yeah. the time, which I liked. Yeah, which... Very it, thematic.
0: Yeah, he, he kind of told us like we'd have a way to sort of generally tell us how much time mm-hmm. and then he would kind of let us know too. So I on the bottom a... of the the notes he would kind of tell us how much Yeah, time and
1: I always at. have a stopwatch on my uh on my uh Fitbit. If we're, w- if we're allowed if to If we're, we're allowed to. If we're allowed to, win, yeah. yeah. So I, I like to keep track like that uh-huh. too. But I mean, uh I did like that it was just the occasional like 25 minutes left, 10 minutes mm-hmm. left, whatever, yeah. you know. Um, and the room had a secret passage which was another
0: bonus it's, secret passages are always bonuses to me mm-hmm. but I think it was a bonus to have with my mom being a new player where mm. she had no idea like you yeah. and I both kind of knew because we've seen that, the kind of lock that you know like we just I automatically knew oh that's going to be
1: a secret passage well, based upon how it was locked yeah which I'm not trying to spoil anything for you. No, but yeah. but
0: yeah, based on based on how it was locked, but we
1: the knew. secret passage it opened into, I was like, yes. Yeah, no, I
0: didn't expect that, yeah.
1: And as always, at the very end, you get the chance to take a photo with props and mm-hmm. things like that, which I enjoyed. I did the, I have a hook for a hand, and I have two eye patches on, one on each eye, <laughs> with my glasses on, because that's ironic. Yeah. But the thing I liked about this room was that it had an optional ending. It had an optional finish. Oh, they
0: had like a side puzzle, yeah. Yeah,
1: where... As long as you get the final key and get out, you win. Mm-hmm. You escaped. You know, you weren't... I think this one, you're supposed to be in a pirate captain's personal quarters. Yeah, you are. And so, like, if he comes back and catches you, it's not going to be a good time for you. <laughs> so, like, as long as you get out in time, that's fine. But if you do have extra time, you can do this additional puzzle that's really a brain mm-hmm. teaser. It's pretty good. and I Yeah, recommend it. yeah. I won't spoil what it is, but it's it's a... it's a You're going to have to have people, like, really working on it, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, but if you have the time to do it... And then you get out, then you get the, like, the real ending of, like, not only did we get out, but we got the pirate's treasure, too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's been a number of games that we've kind of had that with um, one of the... Obviously, most well known one is the hex room in Anaheim. Mm-hmm. And that one, not only is your goal to escape, but each player has like their own personal mission and they have to solve oh, it. That's right. in I order you that. you get like a medal and that means you not only did you escape the horror film, you survived the horror film. Yeah, and if you don't get that, yes, you escape, but you didn't technically survive. Um so that's kind of a fun added challenge. and then I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah. Countdown. They also have a really fun one where in two of their rooms, they have like this little side challenge that you can spend time on, but you don't have to. Mm -hmm. And it basically, if you escape with it, you get a prize
1: at the end. And like, that's fun. You know, like I said, it's good because it's not necessary to solve it. They did kind of tell you like, you can use your your time on this, but just know Uh it's not going to help you get out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: You know, but the thing I liked about this, yet also, uh, kind of wish they would change a little bit, is that it was near the end, mm-hmm. this optional puzzle. Yeah, I would have liked it if it was a bit before the very end. So though.
0: someone could have worked on
1: it a little yeah. bit more. Like, I'm not saying give it to me yeah. up front. I'm saying give it to me about 90% of the way through the thing. Uh-huh. You know? So then like, oh, here's this as well. Yeah. And then like maybe just have a note saying like, you know, um, you, you can work on this but it's just for the treasure, but you don't need that. You're still working on getting out, you know? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you did that exactly with, yeah. with words right now, but make it clear. <laughs> words are hard. Words are hard. But as long as you can make it clear it's, that, like, this is the point where we're branching, mm-hmm. this is the optional route, yeah. this is the route you need it's, to take.
0: It's really nice in rooms that incorporate larger uh, amounts of people, too, mm-hmm. because I know we did a room, um, in fact, it was Countdown Their Tiki Room, and we had a that lot of we had a lot of people crate or whatever. yeah we had a lot of people and we knew that this crate they had that um, it was completely they told us you know it's completely independent from the rest of the game nothing in the room will will help you open this crate it's all on the crate itself it's crate all self contained um, and it's optional you don't have to do it so basically everyone was working they were all doing pretty good so i was just focusing on the crate
1: and you did great on that crate yeah
0: so, you know, that was kind of like little thing I could work on. And it was nice because, you know, then one of our friends didn't feel, it and I was like, oh, well, come over here. She didn't feel like she was
1: doing anything. So I was like, come over here and help me with this, yeah. you know? And then together, you two girls uh, opened it up and yeah. got it done.
0: So, you know, it was kind of a nice little side thing, whereas if not everyone can be engaged in the room the whole yeah. time. Um, so, I think rooms that have larger amounts, like they
1: should all really think of doing these like side challenges. I think it, yeah, because then everyone has a task to work on. Yeah,
0: especially exactly. if you have a large group and maybe your group is good, so they don't necessarily
1: need everybody. Exactly. Yeah. Have your star player work on that instead of let everyone else who hasn't done as many mm-hmm. focus on the actual rest of the room. Yeah.
0: So, once again, that was Escape Games
1: Riverside. And I would definitely rate it high. Definitely, I would say this is definitely a try it you know yeah yeah no it's it. definitely
0: good um you know we have we have a couple rooms in riverside now um whereas one that we still haven't tried yet but the other one room we have is also really good um so we you know we were kind of like oh well who knows if this one will be good you know it might just be someone jumping on the band bandwagon but we but were i was
1: very pleased. yeah we were pleasantly surprised very pleasantly surprised yes
0: okay so let's talk about some of our other favorite things
1: the friday favorites yay So Lauren, what game has been preoccupying that wonderful mind of yours that you would like to play this Friday?
0: <laughs> well, we recently went on one of our um, Sunday adventures with our friends where we never really know where we're going to end up. True. <laughs> and we end up usually end up all over the place. Um, but we happened to end the day by stopping by um, a local game store. And while we were there, I noticed this game, and it was called The Whitehall Mystery. And it looked a lot like a game that we have um, called Letters from Whitechapel. And so at first I was confused. Are you just
1: fascinated with the color white? Or the yeah. word of it?
0: <laughs> um, at first I was confused. I was like, well, what? what is this? Is this an expansion? And it turns out that it takes Letters from Whitechapel, which is a game that we like a lot, but mm-hmm. that we don't get to play very often. Because it requires a lot of players... And it's
1: very intricate as well. It's very
0: intricate and it takes a long time. Mm -hmm. Which are kind of the most complaints I could say, not only from us, but from other people. In fact, I saw recently um, on Instagram, someone said that they had played Letters from Whitechapel for the first time and they really liked it, but that they didn't get to the end because it just took too long and people had other things that they had to go do. Mm -hmm. Um, So this new game, Whitehall Mystery, which is made by the same makers, of letters from Whitechapel, it's actually um, a reduced, refined version of letters from Whitechapel. Mm. Um, it can be played in about one hour, and oh, that's much
1: better because Whitechapel takes a long time. takes like three or four. Yeah, and like it really easy.
0: depends. It depends on how fast people are moving and playing their rounds yeah. and making their decisions. Um, and also, what's really nice about it is it can be played with anywhere from two to four players. Oh, okay, which is good because I always like you know. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we usually, we have weekly game nights where we mm-hmm. play with our friends, but sometimes we can't get everyone in the same room. Yeah. And it's nice to have those games that just you or I could play by ourselves. Mm-hmm. And so it would be really cool because I like Letters from Whitechapel to have a game where we can play and it's just the two of us and I still get to play a game
1: I like. The the one problem that I had with um, Letters from Whitechapel, the bigger version, uh huh, is that if you and I were to just play it or any number of... Players below the maximum, which is uh-huh. six, I believe, for that game, somebody really has to do a double duty. Yeah, someone you, have has to, to double you have to play multiple games. Because characters. otherwise, the game is not balanced. Yeah. And Jack is going to win. I don't know how this one works exactly because there's just two to four players. Mm-hmm. I don't know if someone needs to still, like, if it was just you and me, like, would I have to be three uh-huh. inspectors versus your one Jack or not? But I mean,. That's a bit better than me being five inspectors versus Jack.
0: yeah, well, yeah, and basically I think letters from Whitechapel four is really the minimum you could play with. Even then, that still requires someone double up, like yeah, really.
1: <laughs> I mean, at the most basic, you can maybe do three, but mm-hmm. like beyond that, it's just you just going. I guess I'm just going to do this, you know? Yeah, because the point of the game is. You're with your other players. It's kind of, it's uh, what we call an asymmetric game. One mm. player is playing one role and everyone else is playing other roles. Yeah. And the point is that everyone who's a detective is communicating and making up their own ideas and theories about like where Jack is going, where he's been, uh-huh. what his trajectory is, you know, and it's all these ideas. I think he's going to, no, I don't think he would do that. I think he would bet it back. Yeah. So you know? it's, it's
0: it... the other side's almost cooperative because you're all working together yeah. to try to figure out. Because there's basically only two options. Either all the detectives win or Jack wins.
1: Yeah, but with if you don't have as many people, then you lose some of the aspects, the fun aspects of that communication, sharing ideas, and coming up with a plan, you go this way, and then you kind of make your decision, yeah. you know, all that stuff. Uh-huh. And you, you really, really it it takes away from it i mean it's still a fun game but if it was just you and i playing and i'm just sitting there it's almost like we're playing chess then
0: Uh uh-huh yeah yeah so i mean i would i would want to see uh whitehall mystery played maybe to see how the mechanic what they did to change the mechanics but i definitely like the idea of getting to play a game that we like but being able to be not restricted by time constraints and player constraints
1: don't lie to me though you also like it because it comes with full figure miniatures. It does have base. a full
0: figure Jack, yeah. <laughs> are the constables
1: full figured? They look like it they from this picture be, here. Yeah. I'm seeing a tiny little picture right now on, on your computer, Lauren, uh-huh. as we're recording this, and it looks like they're full little people. Yeah,
0: but I don't know. It, you know, not all minis are paint quality.
1: Yeah, but come on, you know, don't, you know, you found some constables before for like, Uh, you would just go get three more of those and then you go find something that looks like, you probably have one that looks like Jack, you could substitute for Jack right now, don't you? I bet you I could go find it in a minute if I really wanted to. So how about you, Greg? What
0: what game's on your mind right now?
1: Um, Well, I got a fever and the only prescription is more pandemic. Legacy season one, (laughs) we have been insanely lucky. So we have, okay. Pandemic, for those of you who haven't heard of it before, it's a game in which four deadly viruses are sweeping humanity across the globe. And you're part of the, uh, the medical research and prevention team Mm -hmm. to contain the diseases, find traces of it. So you can develop a cure and then hopefully eradicate them and save humanity. Uh huh. Before the thing gets too widespread that it's out of control.
0: And it's a cooperative game where you're all working together towards the school.
1: It's you versus the game. Yeah. And it's kind of one of those where there's only one way to win, but like five different ways to lose. (laughs) Yeah. You know, so it's very difficult, but very fun. Uh Now, a legacy game, and they have this for other things like Risk, you know, and other uh, Uh games. A legacy game is where you're playing multiple games with the same board. But every single game that you play... There are permanent changes, permanent consequences to what happened, whether good or bad. Mm -hmm. You know, so uh, in pandemic, uh, if any one city has an outbreak where like disease just rapidly spreads, then that city gets marked. And the more marks it have, the harder it is to fix that city in the future. Mm -hmm. Because the idea is that in pandemic legacy, you're playing at least 12 games and each game takes the course of a month and a year. So you're uh. playing for an entire year. So, like, you can see how the world completely falls apart, you know, mm. over that time. And, um, you know, diseases can change. They can mutate. Right now we have uh, the yellow disease where it can't. E- we can't even touch it. Yeah,
0: we can't do anything we, about we
1: it. We literally cannot touch it yeah. because of something that happened. And I won't mm. spoil it, but the game gives you very specific decks of cards. A very specific yeah. deck of cards that says, do not read further because there's, like, story development so uh-huh. you're, you're literally playing through like a story yeah it's amazing it's yeah. so and, fun and
0: things can change depending on the actions you take as well
1: when i first looked at the rule book i was astounded that there's literally at 1.2 pages that is just full of boxes that say rule sticker j will go here eventually rule sticker z will go here eventually yeah. and it's like oh my goodness yeah like, and
0: there's all these like it's crazy because you open it up and there's all these boxes with stuff and there's all these envelopes and, and you're all these, not allowed to open and you're any not allowed of them allowed to until the them. game tells you to. It's and almost it's, like a, a it's game. Christmas. Yeah, it's a game advent calendar. Almost. It, that's exactly, it's an advent calendar.
1: <laughs> there's even a box that says, if hey, you lose four games in a row, open this box. Yeah. Because I yeah. bet you there's some like so that's, Jesus figure in there to Yeah, say, right. You know.
0: So that's kind of the other thing is the game, like in a way it's almost, it could be different for every person, every group that plays oh, it. Oh, for sure. Because it kind of depends on what actions you take and how, if you win or if you don't win.
1: We've actually happens. been, extraordinarily lucky we have been because we've already played through January and February Mm -hmm. and we in just the way the viruses were set up in the beginning all of the major threats for the disease to get out of control were kind of centrally located in one or two spots Uh so we just pounced on those areas and just kept it down and just like locked down the Uh fort until we could get the cures and so we actually made it through without any outbreaks. Yeah, I just have the biggest feeling in the world that on March we're gonna get just destroyed.
0: Yeah, well that, we also have that one disease that we can't cure at this point, or we can't we can't do anything about it. At yeah,
1: this point. and so I'm hoping some change happens, but mm-hmm. like along the way we've got upgrades to our characters, so then they have permanent yeah. stat boosts, uh-huh. you know, which is really amazing. We can uh, have permanent research stations along the place, now so we can get around quicker. That's the other
0: thing is, you you have all these options of different upgrades you can do. And so, really, how well those work is all based on your decisions. Yeah. If you decide, I want to upgrade this character, I want to, um, you know, one of our diseases we didn't upgrade to make it easier to cure, Mm -hmm. things like that. Um, All those
1: will come into play. Yeah, yeah,
0: and how you choose to do that is all up to you, and that will definitely change the
1: outcome of the game. And what's even more interesting is that the game scales its difficulty based upon how well you're doing. Mm -hmm. There's these special cards in it called event cards that lets you do a very special action. Like, oh, I can remotely fly one person to anyone on the board right now. Uh Or I can right now fix any three diseases on the board. Don't worry about it. Uh But the more you win, the fewer those cards you get for the next game because the game's like, well, clearly you've got this under control. (laughs) But if you lose, then the game gives you some of those cards back. Yeah. So I think that's very interesting in mm-hmm. how it based. That's why I'm saying for March we don't have any of those cards available to us anymore because we started with four. You lose two every time you do well. So we're gonna just be going into it like kind of bare bones. <laughs> so we'll see how well we yeah. do. But um, um and yeah. it's,
0: it's interesting because um you know this game we it's been out for a while and we didn't get it for a while because it was kind of expensive. Yeah. You had been looking at it. But now, I finally broke down my
1: birthday. I'm like, I'm just going to get this for myself.
0: So he finally got it. And now playing it, I like totally understand the price tag because so much thought and preparation had to go into this game. Like, it's insane. The level of, okay, you know, if this happens, then they're going to open this box and it's going to have this addition to the rules. And then there's going to be these additions. Like, that's a lot to plot out.
1: Oh, yeah. And they only start you with, normally in a normal game pandemic, you have like, I think eight different characters you can choose from, but this uh-huh. one they only give you four and then later on you get to unlock more. Mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh my gosh, like if if I'd known that this character was coming I would have like, you know, yeah, well, done also, these changes or our, not done this. Our characters
0: or- can die. So That's the other thing. If the, we lose a character, it's this nice game to
1: know. literally tells you at certain points you will have to destroy cards, which we yeah. put that onto our Twitter feed, I believe. Yeah. me ripping up <laughs> Yeah, the it, hurt me, so yeah, the it board. hurt me so much to do that. Yeah, you actually destroy
0: elements of the board. It hurt me so
1: much to do that. And
0: like we said too, you actually, there's like stickers and you actually put them on the board and on your characters and you, you permanently alter the game.
1: Like you can actually completely lose a city. Mm-hmm. Buenos Aires can be wiped off the face of the earth. Yeah. If you like. Don't take care of it well Mm. enough, you know. And of course, the worse it gets, the harder it is to take care of it. So, like, the more likely it is going to be wiped out, you know. It's like, oh my goodness.
0: Yeah. And um, I believe that this, the one we have, is season one, and they just released season two. Oh my god. So we'll probably it'll probably take us a while to get that one because we've only we're only on the second. You month. have to
1: get through the whole thing. Yeah, we're
0: now. only on the second month of this one, and we also know that they're kind of expensive, which, like I said, is valid. But I, I want to say it ran me like
1: 75 dollars. It
0: was yeah, I think it was in the seventies. Yeah, but
1: I mean, when you consider that a new game can be from like forty to fifty, maybe even sixty, uh-huh. you know, for a game that does what you've already come to expect it to do, plus so much more, mm-hmm. the price tag's worth it. Yeah. And, 100%.
0: you know, our, our friends were our friends were very taken aback when we first brought it out, because first of all, they were like, wait, we're going to rip a card like they were like, if you're going to destroy yeah. something. What? And they're like, well, what if you want to play it again? And we're like, no, you play it those 12 times and that's it. Yeah. And they were like, what? But when you consider, OK, you know, how many times the journey have we did played you go on. the journey and the amount of fun and also like how many times have we played Pandemic in the last year?
1: Yeah, you know, like so. I would recommend to anyone to actually
0: play it twelve times is good. Oh
1: yeah, and I would recommend to anyone who is thinking about getting a legacy game, whether it's Pandemic or Risk or anything else, do what I'm doing, keep a log. I actually been keeping a log of Mm -hmm. like we started out live with this situation. These are the major areas that got. Interacted with the uh-huh. most, Here's kind of what we did, and here's the end result. Yeah,
0: and we're actually we're keeping. So you can kind of
1: look back and say, "Oh, this is where we're it's started keeping to go.
0: all the components that we destroyed." Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, they're... I'm, I'm
1: thinking about making like kind of like a, a, a like a shadow box like. Yeah, I've seen
0: people doing that online where they're actually like taking their their legacy board and making like artwork out of it to like commemorate it
1: i'm kind of hoping that eventually one of our characters does die so i could do it in memoriam
0: (laughs) we could put like a little tombstone in there
1: like a little (laughs) little, little candle a little lit candle how cute would that be
0: yes (laughs) okay well i think that does it for this episode all right okay so music for this episode was provided by bensound.com as always you can find us anywhere podcasts are available Rates and reviews on iTunes are much appreciated as it really helps listeners find our podcast. We can be found at Game Friday on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Please come and talk games with us. Thanks for listening.
1: Bye!